Welcome to Dog Mom Mindset, a place where we will be talking dogs, behavior, your lifestyle, and everything in between. I'm your host, Lauren Hewitt-Watts, and we have a deep episode ahead with Greta Ford. Greta is an ABTC registered clinical animal behaviorist and trainer who lives in North Yorkshire with her husband and two dogs. Having established multiple successful businesses driven by her passion to help pet dogs and their families live happy lives together, Greta now also supports others in the industry to have ethical, profitable and sustainable businesses in the animal training and behaviour world through her most recent venture set up to succeed. This was a deep episode and it's perfect for you if you're a dog trainer or behaviourist or you're just looking to dip a toe into the industry. But it's also ideal if you're a dog mum or dad who wants to know how to truly get the best out of any dog professional and what to look for. I'm sure you're going to come away inspired, so let's get straight into it. Hi Greta, welcome to the Dog Mum Mindset Podcast, and I'm so happy to have you here because I know that what we're going to talk about is going to be really interesting and maybe um, we'll shake it up a little bit for some professionals. So before we get into it, I'd love to know your story and why you do what you do. Oh, well, thank you very much for having me. I'm really pleased to be here. So, yeah, I guess my story is a bit weird um, in terms of how I ended up getting here. I think a lot of us in the industry didn't necessarily follow a really straight kind of neat route to get here. Um, and I'm one of them. So I left uni and um, I ended up going into a job in sales, which was like really not me at all. Um, and I really hated it. So uh, I didn't do it very long, but I kind of, it really turned me off from the whole idea of business and sales and marketing and all of that stuff. And I kind of vowed never to to go anywhere near that again. Um, Then I I kind of went into teaching. So I was a teacher for many years. I I did um, secondary English teaching and I did primary teaching and I was a primary deputy head for years. Um, I didn't know that at all that's that's really interesting yeah (laughs) yeah so I kind of it's great because this kind of brings together all of my um all of my different experience and skills and kind of bundled it up in a nice neat thing that I'm working on at the minute so um so yeah teaching was was great um but then I got a dog and you know my world kind of turned upside down in the nicest possible way um but I I I just am a massive geek and got really interested in understanding her and understanding Mm -hmm. dogs um, and other animals and and kind of then started retraining as an animal behaviorist and trainer. So years went by and and I did all my my studying and and, um, shadowing and learning and all the rest of it and have been an accredited animal behaviorist and and trainer for a few years. so along this little wiggly journey, I kind of set up my business and it, it went really, really well. And I was kind of, oh, this is like, but, you know, I didn't really expect it to be so successful, if I'm really honest. Yeah. Um, and since then, I've, I've set up other businesses, which have also been successful. So I got really interested in um, like why that was and where things hadn't gone very well. So where you know, maybe had an idea and I'd put that out there and it would have been a massive flop, then then what had gone wrong there? So I, again, turned my sort of geeky interest in understanding the world into the world of business. So yeah. I became a little bit obsessed with that and have learned an awful lot. Um, and then I thought, actually, do you know what? This is, this is another way that I can have a wider impact in the industry um, and I can support 
other people in the industry to have really successful businesses. And that way, it's not just the clients that I'm working with that I can have a positive impact on, but, but also um, other colleagues and, and their clients by supporting them with their business. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how I ended up here. Uh, but as I say, it's kind of brought everything together from previous experiences um, and learning and life. And, and it's, yeah, it's a weird little journey, but I'm, I'm really happy with where I am. Oh, it's so interesting to know that. I think um, everything that you said, you can see exactly where it kind of fits into everything that you do now. So yeah, I think that um, that really helps. And I didn't know a lot of that as well. So it's so nice for me to be able to listen to that. Um, and I know that you're sort of working on the businesses of other professionals is something you're really passionate about. Yeah. So I'd love to know from your point of view, what do you think the issues are that hold other professionals back? in their business so other dog trainers behaviorists um do you work with dog walkers or is it mainly sort of the behaviorists and training side yeah it is um at the moment it's mainly aimed at training and behavior professionals um i think Perfect. some of some of what i do would definitely apply to walkers groomers kind of wider professionals um but some of it wouldn't so it just kind of depends on on what what the offering is really as to whether it'd be mm. suitable but I do think um, for trainers and behaviourists, I think part of the problem is that like we never intended to be business people. <laughs> like that was yeah, never our, exactly. You know, not many people go into this thinking, I really want to be an entrepreneur. You know, yeah. go into it <laughs> thinking like, you know, I really want to help animals or I really want to use my knowledge and skills to support owners and their dogs or cats or whatever. Um, so I think it's probably not our, you know, for many of us, and I don't want to make massive generalizations about people in the mm. industry, but I do think for many of us, it's not our natural habitat. You know, business is not something which, which we necessarily on the whole kind of pride ourselves on or are massively interested in. Like so many people say to me that they do my courses or have coaching and they're like, right, let me just tell you from the beginning, I'm not interested in business. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, you know, but I think, I think that's, that's what I would have said, you know, a few years ago. Um, and it's only because I now have a better understanding of business and what that really means and everything that it can encompass and how you can do it ethically and yeah. in, a, in a way that doesn't feel all kind of grubby and like, you know, kind of uncomfortable um then I think that we can get something out of enjoying business but anyway I digress so I think yeah most of us didn't want to be business people um yeah. that's not a bad thing I don't think but I do think that that it probably holds us back because we're not necessarily open to to learning about um to learning about business and learning about how we can improve our businesses because we don't really identify as a business person or an entrepreneur we identify as a an animal professional I definitely agree with that. I think that people don't necessarily know where to go or what to do with their business. And so yeah, it, it kind of holds them back sometimes, I think. Yeah. And there's so much CPD out there. And we'll talk about CPD maybe later, but there is so much CPD out there that but it's not really about business stuff. Like where, yeah, where do you exactly. learn this? Like who's who's gonna teach you this? And you know, so many people coming into the industry. They're like, well, I, I kind of want to start my own business and, I've, I, you know, they've got a master's in animal behaviour, uh, but they don't they don't really know how to start a business because that isn't something they've been they've been taught. And, and maybe they don't feel massively comfortable in that whole sort of business sphere as well. Mm. So I do think that's a bit of an issue. Um, I also think kind of mindset stuff in our industry is quite interesting to mm. explore. 
Oh yeah, so, definitely. <laughs> I, you know, I think there's a, so many of us kind of say, oh, we've got imposter syndrome and, you know, we're, we can be quite um, aware of everything that we don't know and, and focus on those things um, perhaps. And, and then, you know, I think we've got to do the same as everyone else and worry yeah. about pricing. We've got these big mindset blocks, I think, in the industry as a whole. Um, that people don't even probably realise they have, I think, a lot of the time. Um, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's really interesting working with, with other professionals because in their mind, they've always got a reason why they can't charge, charge a certain price or why, why they can't brand their business in the way they want to or why they can't offer services in the way that they want to. And it's like, but why? What, what, mm. these, you know, sometimes actually the things that you think are real blocks are, are they're just your beliefs and they are, they are mindset blocks rather than real life blocks. And there's so many different ways to have your business and to run a business and for it to, to kind of authentically represent you. We don't, we don't all need to do the same thing. And that's, that I think is, again, something that holds people, holds people back. So yeah, I, I think probably those are the key things. I mean, there's individual variation, obviously, but as a general rule, I'd say those, those are the things that hold people back. Okay, that was really interesting, really good insight. Do you think that there's a little bit of people who work as ethical trainers and behaviorists? they hold themselves back because some of the really big marketing and some of the really kind of in your face business, you know, people who do really well, their business tends to be people who are maybe less ethical. Do you think there's any part of that that comes into it um, at all? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really interesting point. And I, as I said, I don't want to generalize too much, but I, I do think there's an issue in that those of us who kind of pride ourselves on being ethical and educated seem to be the ones who are the most self-doubting and the ones who kind of quietly get on with things under the radar and then those people who perhaps are more about I'm going to get you results I don't really care how I get there I don't really care about the ethics of it they tend to be much more um kind of willing to to shout about that from the rooftops Mm -hmm. and I I think sometimes we, you know, we hold ourselves back. And there is, you know, in the industry, there is also a, a, like a, a weird, unsupportive vibe that goes on sometimes as well. Um, and that doesn't help. You know, we all, we all need to be supporting each other rather than kind of fighting with each other because we need to be, you know, kind of building each other up so that we can help people to do the very best by their pets. And I think... You're right. Those that that perhaps don't have the same ethical um, background don't necessarily feel that they need to abide by any of that and can just, you know, just do all this other stuff. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, I mean, that's why it's so nice that we get on really well. And I think part of that is because we're not, we're not thinking. We don't have that worry about oh what do you think of me or what do you think of this? Like, I think everything you're doing is absolutely amazing. And so it it, it definitely helps to kind of support each other. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel like there's definitely this feeling of being judged by other professionals. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, you know, it's it's a very, it's a very weird one, I think, in this industry. It is. I think, you know, every time I, I made a change to my business or did anything really, the thing that, that kept me awake at night before launching something or sharing something 
is not how it would be received by the people who I'm actually trying to work with. It's how it's going to be received by other professionals in the industry. And that's crazy, really. Um, and yeah, okay, I might be more sensitive than some people and other people might not give a hoot. Good on you if you're one of them, um, because that's that's definitely a far kind of healthier way to go, you know, not worrying about that so much. But I, I do think many of us are, you know, we... We, we ended up in this industry because we're compassionate and we're empathetic. And it, it, it then really does feel uncomfortable when, when people are, you know, looking to kind of find a fault or attack or whatever. And, mm. and I think that's, that's definitely something in the industry, which I am very much a kind of keep my head down, don't get involved kind of person. Um, and I think this industry makes you even more like that potentially because it's hard to stick yeah. your head above the parapet and kind of go, do you know what? I'm offering this. And definitely with this business, it's like, you know, oh, who does she think she is offering this? And it's like, yeah. actually, I've got something really valuable to share with you if you'll just listen. Oh, yeah. From my point of view, even things like doing this podcast, it, I, I kept, you know, I've been meaning to do it for ages and I didn't do it. And the reason for that is that I want to get, you know, I'm having different people come on, mm-hmm. not just from the training point of view, but from all different points of view of lifestyle. And one thing that held me back was what if I have a guest on and they have some really good things to share, but then they, you know, they don't know about training behavior and they share something that I disagree with. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, what if people judge me or what if people yeah. think this? And I think, you know, you just have to think I'm doing the best that I can. I'm, yeah. You've got to do the best for your for the people that need it yeah. and not worry about you know you can't worry about that ripple effect too much in some ways but um I definitely you know feel everything that you're saying because that's kind of how I felt about this so um yeah it's really interesting to to know that that that's what you think holds a lot of people back as well because I think it probably does yeah I I think you know I hear people say oh I could never I could never offer that or I could never charge that or I could never call myself an expert in this and it's like just stop stop like beating yourself up about these things and accept that you have something really valuable to share these are people you know I speak to veterinary behaviorists who who are doubting themselves I'm like but you're a veterinary behaviorist you know but that's the thing I've realized is that it's not it's not this whole like imposter syndrome thing and, and worrying about everybody and what everyone thinks and what you can charge and what you can offer is not something that's just me or just me and a small group of people. Yeah. This is something that wherever you are in the industry, yeah. people are feeling this way. Um, and I think that's something which is a real eye opener for me because when I've got someone that I would really look up to and respect as a professional saying to me, I don't feel I can do this. That, that that surprised me to start off with I was like but but it's you you know I won't mention names yeah. you know, like that that that's crazy to me um so I do I think it just runs through the whole the whole industry to a certain extent um and I think that you know we we really need to to be better at giving ourselves a bit of a break and not ripping each other down and supporting each other a bit better yeah, I think um, when you said about the expert thing, that's so interesting because I know that there's a whole thing over people not wanting to be seen as experts. And I think experts comes across, it's just perceived in quite a weird way, again, mm-hmm. where actually there are experts, you know, there are ethical mm-hmm. trainers and behaviors who are experts in particular things. And yeah. I don't think we should shy away from saying that. Yeah. But I, I definitely think there's this whole thing of who does she think she is or yeah. who he thinks he is to call himself an expert. And yeah. Totally. Maybe it's because, you know, 
maybe because there's so many people who aren't experts that call themselves experts I think that kind of comes into it so yeah it's a really interesting um but it's like you say those people that are willing to to shout about everything and then the people that are actually, you know, investing yeah. masses and masses of time and money and and their lives, like giving their lives over to learning this stuff. And then they're like, oh, I couldn't say that. I couldn't call myself an expert in this. It's like, you are, you know, what is the definition of an expert? You know, you to, to the people that you're addressing, you're an expert. You're not actually saying you're an expert above your peers. You're not necessarily saying that, although you might be exactly. saying things. What yeah. you're saying is, to these dog owners, cat owners, whatever, you are an expert in supporting them and, you know, in, in understanding their animals. And that's exactly yeah. what you are. We need to we need to just stop this kind of bizarre attacking. How could they use mm. the word expert and whatever? I, I just think it's crazy. Yeah. You're writing your website not for other trainers and behaviorists. You're writing it for your ideal clients that you want to work with and that mm. need your help. Yeah. And we'll come on to this, but I think that also has a ripple effect on helping, you know, Mm. helping those owners and helping those clients as well. So obviously you feel really passionate about people having these issues in the industry, especially as it seems to be affecting a lot of people. So first of all, why do you think we need to go about shaking up this industry? Um, I, I think for me, it's that we've got people leaving we've got people giving up we've got people saying I don't want to do this I can't I can't sustain this and that's a real worry because these people have invested not only masses their own time and money um like years and years of of learning and training and you know upskilling themselves and then they they end up running these businesses that they that they have got high hopes for and and just aren't sustainable and they're completely burned out and i think we you know looking at that i'm like well what's the impact not only on those people which is huge obviously and their families and everything else but also on the people that we're supposed to be helping and if we're not careful we're going to end up with all the people that have you know, really put the effort and time into to yeah. learn and understand and, and take an ethical approach to supporting animals and their families leaving. And all those that are just making a quick buck, you know, sticking a shot collar on a dog and whatever else, thriving. Yeah. And that that for me is a massive issue. So I think we need to have a massive shakeup. The, the kind of ethical um, side of this industry needs a bit of a kick up the bum, to be honest, in terms of business. And you know, there's people out there offering amazing things in terms of CPD for um, up-leveling your skills and knowledge to support owners and, and their, their pets. But where I think it falls down is what have we got to actually help people have businesses? And of course, there are other options and you can go and work for charities, you can get an employed job, but you don't have course, to have your own yeah. business. There's loads of ways that you can have a really positive impact as an ethical animal trainer or behaviorist and that is all brilliant but if you want to have the flexibility and everything else that people think comes with having their own business then they realize actually this is a nightmare it's a problem and I think we're we're letting we're letting the you know the people that need us most the owners Mm -hmm. and those those animals down if we can't service our clients because we're totally burned out. It, it's just not good for anyone. Yeah, it is It is sad the number of people you see on social media or even when you speak to people and they're saying, 
I don't want to do this anymore. I, yeah. you know, I just want to go and get a job. You know, I want to go and get a, a nine till five office yeah. job. I don't want to do this. And you know that the passion is there, and they want to. They so want to do it, and it's not their skills, but it's the it's everything around it. Mm. Um, but I, I think you're right that just not enough emphasis is given on this. It's 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 all about get your academic knowledge. You need to learn from this person. You need to go and mm. do this workshop. You need to get mm. this CPD. But it's not about actually if you can get the business stuff right that's going to be so much more sustainable. Yeah. It's going to just keep you going. So um, yeah, no, I think it's so important. And if someone is listening to this and they're thinking, you know, I feel all of the things that you've just said, I feel really burnt out. What would you, have you got any thoughts on on where they would even start? Because I know it's hard to even get started sometimes. Yeah, it is. I think for me, I would say trying to because you know when you're feeling really struggling with things it's really easy to feel overwhelmed and mm. when you feel overwhelmed it's actually hard to achieve or do anything or make any changes mm. so I think sometimes the the best way to start is to just just actually take a step back and look at what's going on in your business yeah. a little bit like so is it actually that you don't really want to do that job you don't really want to work with owners and their their pets anymore Mm -hmm. okay so is there something else you want to do that uses your skills and knowledge and expertise but isn't working directly with owners and their pets Mm -hmm. possibly and and there's another way of you know there's lots of other jobs in the industry that people can do if it's not that and you do want to do that but it's just that you're looking at your diary and thinking well this is crazy when did I last have a day off or whatever You, you it isn't that you're totally you know, against the idea of continuing to have a business, it's just that it needs to work for you rather than it being something which is just grinding you down every day. Yeah. Then I think you need to start with a vision of what what would it look like? What would your ideal business look like in this industry? And and I think unless we've got that, then it's really hard to work towards it. And for me, I I kind of come up with sort of non-negotiables for my business. Uh, you know five things that my business must be able to do for me um and I think if you can if you can be clear on what you want to achieve then you can start to put a plan in place as to how you're going to get there and you know I'm happy to support people and have a look on the website as to how I can support you but even if you you don't follow a kind of program or do any coaching whatever just taking a step back and just really evaluating what where you are, what you really want, what does your ideal day look like? What does your ideal week in your diary actually look like? Um, what are the things that when you see it in your diary, you go, oh, I've got that today. I love that. Or oh, I love working with that particular client. Why? What is it about that client? How can you get more clients like that? What are the things in your diary that you go, oh, God, I've got to do that today. I really don't want to. Okay, so is that something you can outsource? Is that something you don't need to offer anymore? Is that something actually about the type of you know problem that you're working with or whatever? Do you need to do you need to be able to offer that, or can you can you cut that out if it drains you? So I, I think you know sometimes it's it's hard to to kind of look at that big overwhelming like oh I don't know what to do this is just a nightmare and and actually we need to kind of take a step back and break down what is it that's working for you what is it that's not working for you and then you can make your tweaks much more powerful Mm, that's amazing advice thank you so much I think that's going to really help people um I know that when I was in that position you know a few years ago because you've probably been through this yourself this kind of cycle of going through your business and I certainly have as well which is why we always love talking about it I think sometimes there's two things so I think sometimes 
people feel like they should like I have to offer yeah puppy classes follow-on classes advanced classes um scent work you know people feel like they should do it and yeah. as soon as you say why do you need to do it there, there can sometimes be some blocks there I yes. think um Definitely. which is really interesting and the other thing is I feel like do you feel like sometimes people don't always know? So sometimes you say, what does your ideal business look like? And do you find people just go, oh, it would just be, you know, they don't really know what it looks yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. When you think about something in the abstract, then that's quite hard to do, which is why I think then just looking at your diary and just consciously noting what are the things that excite yeah. you in there? What are the things that you feel not necessarily dread although you might dread some of the things you know I've definitely had things where I've dreaded mm. going to do it I'm like I just need to do one more of these and then I've finished doing that yeah you know? exactly yeah 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 you know, that. we all feel like that about certain things and I think so if you if you struggle with the kind of abstract idea of what would your ideal day look like whatever then just look at what you've actually got in your diary what are the things this coming week or next week you've got that you're thinking um, actually, I, I know I'll quite like that, or I'll, I'll get a real buzz from that. Or yeah, okay, I'm, it might not be at my ideal time of the day, which you can also tweak. Um, but I know that I love doing it. Or is it that you love doing it, but you don't feel you're getting paid appropriately for it? And that's a, that's mm, another thing that's that true. can really make us feel kind of a bit resentful sometimes if we if we feel we're giving so much and not getting a fair return on that. Um, well, you set your prices, you know, that's not the client's yeah. fault. Um, so, so I think sometimes we need to kind of reevaluate that as well. Sometimes it's like, well, the reason why I don't like doing it is not something inherent about the thing itself, but about what I feel I get from it um, in terms of my investment of my time. And I think that's a, that's a massive issue as well. So yeah, just taking it kind of more concrete. If you can't do the abstract thing, then just look at your diary. What fills you with joy and what fills you with dread? and kind of look at how we can reevaluate from there. Yeah, that's such good advice. And I think you're talking about obviously um people charging. Have you got any thoughts on actually helping people charge their worth? I know you probably cover this in a yeah. lot of detail on your course, yeah. but you know, anything you can talk about that would be great. Yeah, I, I do think it's a big a big issue. Um I think I think some of it is mindset stuff. Some of it I, I think is about we've got our own ideas about what we think um, is an appropriate amount to charge. Some of it is kind of industry norms, maybe, um, and these kind of benchmarks against other people in the industry. Um, and and that's not necessarily very helpful either. Um, I think what we what we really need to do is to, to think about um, the and, and value like ourselves before we can ask clients to value it we genuinely need to value ourselves the amount of training years and years of expertise the ongoing CPD I mean I, I don't know any industry where people are more obsessed with CPD yeah than this one. you're so yeah it, yeah it's phenomenal and I am one of them. I mean, I am yeah. like a massive geek and I have massive FOMO about missing out on any kind of CPD. Yeah. Uh, I'm starting to kind of get a grip on this because it's not good for mm. your expenses. But, you know, I, I, you will never hear me say anything like, you know, cut back on CPD and stuff because it's it's really, really important. And things move on so quickly in terms of research and we need to keep ourselves up to date. Definitely. So I, I it's not that I want you to not do that, but I, I think that, we need to look at 
like what we're putting in, we're, we're putting all these years of training, all these years of kind of expertise developing that, all this ongoing CPD. And then you look at actually the transformation that you offer to people and mm-hmm. their families and the the massive impact that you actually have on people and their and their pets and changing relationships, changing people's lives. And it sounds all very dramatic, you know, you're changing lives every day, but do you know what you are? Yeah, you definitely you really are. are. Yeah. Ask your clients, they'll tell you. Like, you know, how many clients have said to you, oh, I don't know what we would have done without you? Or we would have had to give the dog back if it wasn't for you. Mm-hmm. Or I couldn't have coped without you. Or, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a massive emotional toll on us, um, I think. Oh, yeah. Which which is, you know, part of what we find kind of draining and overwhelming, I suspect. But I think what we need to do is look at everything we've put in to get to this point, everything that we continue to do, and the, the transformation and the kind of impact that we offer people and go, do you know what? That's that's worth something. And that's where I think we fall down in our pricing. Firstly, we don't really, we're just like, oh, but I'm just, I'm only there for an hour. I'm just kind of, it's all obvious to me. Well, it's not obvious to them. Otherwise they wouldn't be asking for your help. So, Mm. you know, I think we need to value that. Um, Mm. And then we need to be much, much better, I think, as an industry at communicating our value. I think it's a real problem um, because there's no good just sticking your prices up. You've got to, no. you know, if you, you've got to, you've got to explain what what you offer people, why why it's worth what you're going to be charging them. And I don't think, as an industry, we're very good at that. I don't think we're we're very skilled necessarily at. And, and also, we've got this like um, kind of self-deprecating. I mean, I'm the worst for it. Honestly, I, I, I will do I'm doing it now, but <laughs> I will do it <laughs> all the time. It, I have to kind of step outside myself a little bit when I'm writing website copy or that kind of thing, because nobody wants to hear all your self-doubting stuff. You, you yeah. actually, no, that doesn't help people at all. They'll go to the guy with the shock collar down the road who tells you that, you know, that he's amazing. He's the best in the UK. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, so I think we're not doing ourselves any favors. We're not doing our clients, our potential clients, any favors. Um, but yeah, I think we we have this awkwardness potentially. It's, it's also quite a British thing, possibly as well. Um, mm. And I think it's it's a kind of slight awkwardness about selling ourselves and mm-hmm. kind of communicating what value we offer. But that goes hand in hand with pricing, and you you can't you can't really have you know, no. one without the other. I mean, first of all, your website is amazing. Uh, everything you've just said, your oh. website does. I love it. Um, second of all, I think you're right in that people, when people start out, it almost starts as a bit of a hobby. And you're yeah. like, I can't believe people pay me for this. Yeah. This is amazing. <laughs> and I feel like there's not, you know, everyone starts with that. I started with that. And I don't think in some cases, sometimes it's inevitable that you will. But what I feel is lacking is that kind of, evolution and that evaluating things as they go on yeah and that's when probably the pricing becomes not it doesn't match up with everything that you've been doing um that's a really good point yeah I mean I know it it, it, only because it's what I did so I and I can imagine other people did that as well with the kind of the website and and the branding have you got anything that you wanted to talk about with that because I know that we've had some good conversations about branding yeah I mean I think for me branding is is 
just so powerful at communicating your values what's important to you how you work like all of this this stuff um without even saying a word sometimes and i think that um what tends to happen in this industry is that we feel our branding should be a certain way we look at other people who in the industry we look at right well well, they're they're really well respected Mm -hmm. they're really good they you know they've got this qualification or they've got this accreditation or they're the president of this or the chair of that or whatever and and we look at that and we're like so I need to kind of not copy that although I do think there is a bit of that but it's it's like you know almost like hero worshipping these people and, and then trying to do something which fits in with that and so it isn't necessarily there's anything wrong with those people and what they're offering and that's great if that's working for them but if we all do the same thing it's very different very difficult for I think for clients to kind of work out why you like what is it about you and I think when I'm talking to people in my courses about this there's a real reluctance to um to do something different and they feel they've got to have this kind of very clinical very professional yes and it's like but I need to show that I'm proper and I'm serious and I, and I know my stuff it's like well of course you do of course you know your stuff but what about your personality? What about what makes it you? Why do people, why would people go to you instead of someone else? And I kind of imagine like, you know, if you had, if you, if you were looking for um, a, a trainer or a behaviorist or whatever, and you, in your local area or whatever it was, and you had like little tabs open in your browser of ones that you were looking at, what I would really want for people is for the person looking at those different tabs to be able to remember which one you were. Because there's something about you on the website in terms of your branding was obvious and it was it was something which was unique and different from all the others. So it wasn't just the generic kind of clinical professional Mm -hmm. thing, but something that had a bit of personality or a bit of warmth or a bit of whatever it is that you are, a bit of fun, a bit of humour, you know, whatever. And I think you can you can do that in your website copy, but you can also do that in your branding. Otherwise, we all just become the same. And, yeah. you know, let's stop trying to appeal to, let's stop trying to kind of not appeal not to appeal each to other. Them. Yeah. And instead, just think, who do I really want to attract? What's really special about me? And if you're someone that's really kind of fun and everything you do is really um kind of active and with a bit of humor and you don't take yourself too seriously and you know that kind of thing yeah you might have a master's in this and a postgrad in that and whatever that's great but you can still show that you're that kind of person and that Mm -hmm. you take a really practical approach to things and everything's done in a really fun way show that in your branding talk about that on your website you know Mm. be you and don't worry about the fact that someone is going to look at that and go oh, I don't like the look of that. That's not for me. That's fine. Let's stop mm. trying to appeal to everyone. We want the people who you do want to work with to kind of look at it and go, oh my God, they totally get me. This is perfect for me. Yeah. That other one looked really stuffy, but this one looks great. And another person is going to go, oh, this one looks really professional and wonderful. I really like that. And the other one exactly. is It's totally fine. Like yeah. we need to stop being bland and generic and, and just start to actually say, this is me and kind of, you know, be proud of that. Mm. I think as well what you're saying is all so useful because I think there's nothing wrong with clinical branding if that's who you are if you're someone who wants to be very very clinical very professional that's amazing but I think everyone thinks they need to be that Mm -hmm. and so the people that are truly like that probably get lost amongst it all so I think it, it you know really helps to have this branding um and I also 
do you think that with you know we say about the industry but I feel like because it's such a passion of people all they spend their time with is you know dog or animal related stuff so actually sometimes do you think people don't see examples of other branding and that maybe plays a role absolutely absolutely I think it's a bit like um I was saying to someone the other day it's a little bit like you know when you first learn about dog body language and you're like oh this is a little bit mind-blowing and then you see it all the time and you can never unsee it again and you kind of wish you could because you can't actually enjoy things because you're always like that dog looks really stressed and what something else finds really funny you're like that's not funny no (laughs) you know yeah people know don't send me anything from the internet because I'll be like well that's not very that dog looks really stressed so (laughs) and you almost wish you could kind of unknow what you know um because uh, you know you go down the street and you're like oh look at look at what they're doing with that dog look at how that stress that dog looks or whatever and I think branding's a little bit like that I mean there's no ethics involved which is good but um in terms of like when you open your eyes to, to branding and like personalities of brands and businesses you kind of see it everywhere and you're really aware of it but until you make yourself aware of it it's not really relevant to you and you don't realize the massive impact that it has and yeah I I just think I think you're absolutely right looking at other industries I mean I I very much am you know not someone that wants to um kind of replicate or copy something that someone in the industry is doing partly out of respect for them because they're doing their Mm. thing um but also because it's like well there's there's loads of other inspiration out there I can look broader than this I don't need to just look at people who are you know within the industry to kind of get my ideas about what I want to do you know look at lifestyle brands look at furniture look at you know paint look at Mm. interior design there's so many look at brand designers websites they're really interesting to look at yeah um websites designers websites are really interesting to look yeah. at there's, there's so much um out there inspiration that, that you can draw on that we don't need to have this carbon copy of of each other and and you're so right like there's nothing wrong with any of them you can you can identify with and attract people regardless of whether you whatever kind of branding or vibe or whatever you go for but it just needs to be true to you and yeah. we don't all need to do the same thing so let's just kind of shake it up a bit yeah definitely I think that's the whole theme of this is just try and shake things up and just get people to think that the, I think it's that people don't think things are possible so mm-hmm. they'll see a you know a trainer or behaviorist and I certainly used to do this and look up to these people and be like oh I'm never going to be like yeah. them you know they're amazing and then it's only when you make that shift to think, well, why, why can't I be, you know, not yeah. be like them, but why can't I have a business that's as successful as that? Yeah. Or why can't I, you know, have this kind of branding? So I think yeah. once, you know, hopefully everything you're saying will help people start to make that, that first tiny kind of change yeah, that they will not change, but realisation. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the thing is it's, it's not something that you change overnight. It's something no. that kind of evolves and I know we've talked about this ourselves our own kind of journey and I think that you know understanding these things and being open to exploring these things for a lot of people is not something that um is like a quick oh okay well she said do this so I'll do that it's like not there's a lot of pushback there's a lot of why I don't really want to 
and I don't think that's right and I need to do this and uh, you know loads of blocks and barriers that people have about these kind of things but yeah this is just really can we can we just be open to exploring it what would happen Mm -hmm. if we did explore it what might be different what possibilities are there out there for us if we just kind of let go of some of these things that might be holding us back and I think once you start with one block you've then start. it's not like you said it's not like it's like dog training you can't just click your fingers and everything's done it's exactly the same you start with one tiny thing and then it you know it filters out to everything else and and you you just don't know where you'll end up so um so yeah that's that's really useful and then I also wanted to ask, so I know that obviously we're talking about dog trainers and behaviorists, but I know that there's going to be some dog mums listening to this who might yeah. be thinking, I'd like a career change, in which case I hope this is really useful yeah. for you. But they might also, you know, just just have their dog and want to live a nice lifestyle for their dog. And I think everything you're talking about is not just beneficial for the trainers and behaviorists, but it's also so beneficial. It, it filters down to those people that mm-hmm. actually need their services. So mm-hmm. what do you think the benefits of doing this are for, for dog mums and and what do you think that they should be looking out for if they're looking for a, a trainer or behaviorist? That's a really good, really good question. I think um, for me, it's first one of the things is about us actually standing out and being proud of what we offer. And, you know, all those who are out there shouting about how brilliant they are with their quick fixes and their unethical methods. Um, they are they are going to drown you out um, if you don't do something different. And for dog mums and dog dads and, and everyone else who's looking, like you need to be able to maybe see beyond some of that. And that's quite hard mm-hmm. to do. So, you know, actually really questioning what the ethics are, what the methods are, you know, a, a really easy question to ask is what happens if, if my dog does something wrong? Um, wrong is not really the right word, but in terms of asking people that question, you know, what, what happens if my dog demonstrates an undesirable behaviour or what happens in those situations? Um, and making sure that you really understand what is going to, what method is going to be used with your, with your pet. Um, and I think as, as trainers and behaviourists, we need to be we need to be really proudly talking about what we do and how we do it so that we can help um, dog mums and dog dads make really informed decisions. Because we tend to kind of quietly get on with things and there's those mm. people out there taking a much more showy kind of approach often. Um, and I think also I would say for mums and dads, thinking about um, the sort of person that you really feel you'd work well with um, and I think if if we do a better job of sharing the way that we work and who we are and all the rest of it on our website and marketing materials and whatever then hopefully that will make mums and dads be able to better choose the right fit for them because Mm -hmm. there's there's lots of good really really good brilliant ethical um well-qualified experienced trainers and behaviorists out there but finding one that's a really really good fit for you even if you've mm-hmm. narrowed it down to people that have got a certain level of qualification or that use certain methods or that are accredited by a certain organization or whatever, then there's still, but who is right for you? And I think that's where we need to do a better job of actually being able to say who we are and what we do and, and, and what we're all about and giving a feel of, of us and how we work on our websites and things. And then for mums and dads to really be honest about the sort of person you think you'd work really well with. So you know, a lot of people might be able to help you with whatever the problem is that you're having. But 
what sort of person is it that you're going to connect with? Is it the person that is going to make everything, you know, short, short bursts of activity, very fun, very focused, lots of games and activities and, um, you know, not boring you with the science? Or are you someone that actually goes, no, I want to understand why. Why is my dog doing this? I actually really enjoy that uh, discussion and kind of really feel that it helps me to better support my dog um, through the issues that we're having if I have a really good understanding of the, the kind of science behind it and then I can apply that to other things. So, you know, someone could, you could have two different people from, uh, with the same qualifications, the same experience in terms of number of years and whatever else but just go about things in a slightly different way and neither are right or wrong, but which one's going to suit you as a dog mom or that? And I think that's, that's something that's individual to you and what's going to suit your dog as well, you know? Yeah, definitely. Just being, if we're, if we're communicating better as an industry about the way that we do things, then hopefully that will help dog mums and dads be able to make even better choices for their dogs. Yeah. And I think um, going back to the social media, I think you're right in that they're, you know, it's a good thing because it's, you know, for me allowed a lot of improvements in my business, but I also think it can be bad when there's so much noise and there's so much, there's so much bad things out there. I tend to just block them out, but I think your advice to get people to really look into what, you know, if they've got a before and after and the transformation seems absolutely incredible, but actually they don't talk about how they go about that Mm -hmm. transformation, I think is a really interesting one as well. Um, and you do, you know, some people yeah. say, well, I just want the problem to be solved. Well, that that's fine. And I can totally understand that. And I can empathize with that. You know, if you've got a really tricky problem, I can I can totally understand getting to the point where you just think, I actually don't really care how it gets solved. I just want it to get solved. Yeah. <laughs> but the sad thing is, ultimately, when you're not in the state of crisis, you probably wouldn't be feeling that way. And secondly, yeah. what's the long-term impact um, of, of kind of resolving the problem in that way? And also, is it really resolved or is it just a kind of sticking plaster suppression of behavior, not really actually addressing the underlying motivations and emotional states that are, that are driving it in the first place? Um, so I think it, it can be really tempting, especially in this, you know, we've got this very, I mean, I'm terrible for it. I'm like Amazon Prime, you know, it's like next day delivery. Great. And if I'm ordering anything from anywhere else, I'm like, do they have next day? I don't need this. Yeah. Need it tomorrow at all, but we're we're impatient, you know. We've we've got yeah. used to things being quick and easy, but we don't necessarily expect that with our children um, and mm-hmm. our dogs, our you know canine children or mm. our, our dog pets and dogs and cats and whatever are are no different really. I think we need to maybe be able to just take that bigger, take a step back and take a bit of a bigger view of. Yes, I want to resolve this. I want to improve this. But how I go about resolving it and improving it is important, both in the short term and in the long term. Um, it's it's tricky, though, because it all looks very impressive. If something is kind of too yeah. true, then it usually is. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think that's all so important, everything that you're saying. And probably the last thing I wanted to touch on is I think that there's definitely an effect on the way that you're feeling as a behaviourist and trainer is going to kind of filter down to the people that you're working with. And and as a dog mum, I can imagine you'd rather work with someone who's really passionate and they're feeling really good and, you know, they're not burnt out and they're not stressed. So do you think that also has an effect in how they actually relate to their clients as well? Absolutely. You know, I, I, I speak to people who are like, 
they get up in the morning and they're dreading the day ahead and they, they turn up at each of their sessions and whilst they're they're skilled and qualified and you know they they love working with animals they're, they're kind of resentful that they're there they're feeling exhausted because they haven't had a day off in ages they're not going to be able to give the best to that client mm. and I think you know in terms of what we offer our clients in terms of services and all of that kind of thing and also the way that we actually deliver those um, in in terms of the time that we're actually with the clients and the the time and care taken over to follow up reports rather than it being something that is just bashed out, you know, just oh that'll do because I've got this to do and I've got that to do. But actually exactly. giving, giving clients that that really um the, the kind of care that they deserve. And um, I think that's where what when we start to really change things as an industry and be open to to kind of you know doing a better job for our clients by helping ourselves I think that's one of the things that we need to look at how how can what we change in our business actually really support dog mums and dads to to have a better experience with us Mm -hmm. and I think that maybe comes a bit back to that you know that pricing and just just as a dog mum dad just know what you're you're looking for you know do you want someone that's going to be really supportive they're going to be consistently giving you you know lots and lots and lots of their time or do you want somebody who is you know short sharp they're going to come out they're skilled in this one particular type of training they're going to help your dog I think it's deciding as well what you want you know taking everything that obviously you've spoken about I think that can really help dog mums and dads maybe decide what they want listening from this definitely, as well definitely and I think you know you're the the niche that you're working with in terms of separation issues as well in your business it, it really is one of those where that is even more important I think you know people need that ongoing mm. support um, mm-hmm. and that's something that you know if you're looking at a package with with one potential behaviorist and, and another actually you know you might you might feel like oh it's a bit cheaper to go with this one because they just do the one session and we're done yeah but is that actually going to support you emotionally and practically in resolving the issue that you're having um, if it is then I suspect that the other people would not be offering something much more um kind of you know supportive and an ongoing kind of process Mm. so I think you just need to think about how realistic is it that in one session you're going to resolve this in terms of separation issues well no you're not you know Um, and and I think different people this is another example of where different people suit different ways of working you don't all have to offer the same things like you don't exactly you don't all have to offer separation related behavior support because it's a totally different way of working. You don't all have to offer support with, you know, dogs that that show aggressive behaviours towards their owners. We don't all have to do that. It's totally fine. You can do whichever bits you feel are a really good fit for you, where you can give the very best to the clients that choose you, rather than trying to be a kind of jack of all trades, offering exactly. everything under the sun, but never really, really mastering. Um, or kind of get into grips with the very best ways to support owners with specific issues. Um, and I think that's where we can just take the pressure off ourselves sometimes. And the knock on effect is that we can actually do a much better job for our clients. hundred percent. It's like, I, you know, I don't offer agility mm. and I don't think agility would suit 
a long-term consistent program because mm. really what people want is they want that I want to go for an hour with my mm. dog and be really practically yeah. involved in learning the skills yeah. so so different things are going to suit different people so um, and that's the thing is as with all of these things it's not that there's a right or a wrong it's just mm. about finding what what's a really good fit for you and what's a really good fit for the clients that you want to work with how are you going to help resolve their problems or how are you going to support them with their dog um but yeah we don't need to do everything I mean there are loads of things that I think when you start out in the industry quite a lot of the time you're like well I now need to learn about this so I can offer that as a service and I must then learn about this so I can offer that as a service and you get to this point where you're like your services page is like you know Massive, masses of stuff people are like oh my god what do I want I don't know what I need because it's just really overwhelming actually for people looking at the website and you might feel like it's impressive because you've got loads of stuff to offer there's some really interesting research about making choices though and uh, it would uh, not support the idea of having massively overwhelming options available yeah. to people um, so I think sometimes we again we get in our own way by thinking we've got to and I've definitely done this myself you know thought I had to come up with another new thing another new initiative that I could then lay on as another service to provide for for people and it's like really you know I could I could go on a two-day course and learn about agility but am I going to be any good no I'd be dreadful at it I mean I'd be out of breath within seconds oh I'd be awful yeah (laughs) it's just not me and yet there are some superb trainers who offer agility and that is one of their specialisms and I think that's the thing we need to just be um able to refer on to people and say that's not me um I've got so much more respect for someone if you know if I ask for I don't know it could be a plumber or whatever about something they say that's that's not something that I specialize in that particular thing you're asking for Mm. but I can recommend this person who really specializes in that you know, that's great. We can all support each other and all do a better job for all of the people out there that need our help if we kind of refine what we offer and support each other by by knowing a kind of network of people that we can send send potential clients to who can do a really brilliant job for that client instead of just going, oh, I got the inquiry, they're mine, you know, and I'm, I'm just going to yeah. lay something on. It's like, no, 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 think about what's best for the client, you know. Yeah. Oh, amazing. I think you've given people so much good advice from all sort of different angles. Um, so I'm hoping that people are going to go away and just have their brain kind of buzzing because mine is it, like every time I talk to you, I think all oh, this and that. And yeah, you always give such good perspective. So, um, so, you know, thank you so much for coming on. And is there anything that you um, what have you got running at the moment that you'd like people to know about? So um, we've got, I've got a couple of um, different courses running at the minute. Um, we, I closed the um, kind of enrollment for the signature program, which is the kind of big one, the Unleash Your Potential one. So enrollment for that will be opening at some point in the new year. Um, in the meantime, I am going to have some very special things for people who've listened to this podcast and who uh, have a little look at the um accompanying blog post so if you want to find out about different things that I've got coming up in the next couple of months because I've got some going to have some courses some mini courses on pricing which we've talked about quite a lot Mm -hmm. so that whole thing for people that are already in the industry and thinking okay I know that I need to do something with that has kind of maybe made me reflect a little bit and and I'm open to to learning more about that 
Um, then there'll be something on pricing. There's going to be something on communicating your value. Um, so those will all be coming up very soon. Um, and what I would recommend that you do is you go to the website um, setuptosucceed.co.uk and then there is, well, I think you'll, Lauren will put it in, in here, but mm-hmm. forward slash dog hyphen mum hyphen mindset. Um, and I've got a special little page for people who have, have come via dog mum mindset so that you get access to exclusive discounts and um, oh, that other people are not going to get. So have a little look on there and sign up and then you'll be the first to know. Oh, that's so amazing. Oh, I'm so lucky that people have got that from you. So thank you so much for that. Um, I'm sure you're going to get people coming from this because, yeah, we've covered a lot in this yeah, podcast. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. It's brilliant. <laughs> and um, I'll put everything in the show notes so people can find out everything that they need to know from you as well. Um, and there is a blog post that also accompanies this too. So if anyone wants to read that, that will be over on dogmummindset.com. So all that's left to say is thank you so much, Greta. It's been amazing having you on. Um, we've covered so much ground. So thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. What an incredible interview with Greta. And I'm sure you're coming away absolutely buzzing with ideas. So make sure to use the discount code that Greta has provided. I really hope that you did enjoy this episode. And as always, it would truly help if you could leave a great five-star review. It would help so much in these early stages and I'd appreciate it hugely too. If you would like to learn more, then sign up for our email community and you'll receive a copy of the car mat to teach your dog to settle and relax anywhere, as well as exclusive dog mum resources, which are unreleased anywhere else. Just head over to www.dogmummindset.com. You can catch me over Instagram at dogmummindset and I'd absolutely love to hear how you found this. I will see you next time.